Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, good morning, guys. If we haven't met, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here, guys. Thanks for getting up. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. If you have a Bible, do me a favor, open it up to Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today, Acts 2. While you're turning there, really quick, I want to take another minute to make it awkward for our online audience. Uh, for just a second, we're going to get into it. Uh, for those of you watching online, we just say a big thank you for doing that. If you're checking out our church, we want to make sure if it's for you or not, totally get it. Feel free to peruse. Uh, if you're sick and, and you're off somewhere else, and you're like, or maybe, you know what, this is after the fact and you were out of town and you want to watch the message, totally get that too. Uh, but if you would say that Solid Ground Church is your church, um, I want to encourage you, turn this off and come to the 1030 service, okay? Uh, church online is not made to replace uh, part of being, you know, church together. And, and there's all kinds of reasons, uh, that's a, I think there's all kinds of reasons for that. I enunciate sometimes. Um, and I just want to give you one today. You know what? Uh, I want you just to think about, like, you know, if you're kind of like, well, should I go or not? And, and watching the same. Let me just, just encourage you to think about what you're demonstrating if you've got kids to, to your children. Like, if you, want to make, if you want them to make being part of church priority, you've got to model that. Um, don't, don't ask us to do it when they're teenagers and things are going kind of crazy. Like, you, mom, you, dad, take responsibility, model putting God first to your kids in a physical, uh, demonstrable way, and, and come to church. And I'll tell you what, a great uh, reason to do that, by the way, just a heads up. Uh, next Sunday, first time since COVID, we are bringing back kids in worship which is pretty cool. Like, so uh, you're gonna get to worship in here with your kids and we'll dismiss them to kids' church. Uh, but another reason, like model that to your kids. Uh, you know, the Bible over and over again talks about this idea of, listen, teach these things to your children. I just wanna encourage you to do that. Okay, all that stuff said, we are continuing uh, a sermon that we began last week. Like, it was kind of weird. Like, we started talking about Pentecost, which is one of the major Christian holidays. Uh, it celebrates the beginning of the church. It celebrates uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit and, like, how God just kicked all of this off. And I told you last week, listen, we're, we're going to just have to pause right there and take a really, really big talk and split it up so that everybody could go to lunch and I wouldn't be getting any nasty emails about how long-winded I, I, I was. And so uh, we're just going to continue that today because we are, like, what we saw last week is that this is a really complex passage of Scripture. And I, I said, it's almost like, like, you know, you ever seen like a Russian doll? You know, like you open a Russian doll and there's another doll inside of that, right? And you open that and there's another one inside of that and on and on. It goes, well, it, like the, the language of Pentecost in Acts chapter two is so stinking layered that we want to do our due diligence and like take that doll apart to understand what's in front of us. So last week, what we did was we talked about how Jesus established the church on Pentecost. Now today, we get to talk about how he empowered it. And man, is it going to be fun. So uh, we're going to go back to Acts two, starting in verse one, it says this, just to reread, okay? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And today, I want to just take a minute to talk about this, okay? Because like, the question comes, what's the deal with the tongues? Like, what's that all about? You know, we talked about the wind, we talked about the fire, Okay, why are they speaking in tongues? Like, what's going on with that? And to understand that, um, I, I need to step on some toes, okay? So um, we are, 
we are, if you're curious like what our church theology is, we're pretty traditional in our understanding of the Holy Spirit when it comes to like when does somebody receive the Holy Spirit. We're pretty uh, majority uh, of Christendom in this. We are not charismatic. We are not Pentecostal. We're what's called continuationist, meaning we believe that the gifts of the Spirit have continued to this day. But what differentiates us from sort of classic Pentecostal and charismatic theology is uh, usually those theologies go something like this. And there are brothers and sisters in the Lord. God loves them as much as he loves us. He's using them uh, as much or, or more so than he's using us. I don't, I don't know how you compare that, but like, but like, no, like we're all in the fam together. This is just an area where we, we disagree, okay? So uh, charismatic Pentecostal theology says something like this. So basically, when a person is saved, uh, they receive a little bit of Holy Spirit, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit comes in and he, and he brings you from death to life and he's gonna get you through. You will go to heaven when you die. But, if you're really in this, you should seek what's called a second blessing, or they'll use this language of being baptized in or filled with the Holy Spirit. And they'll say, so what that is, that's a subsequent event to salvation, okay, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or enters you and fills you at a different time. And usually, they'll say, the way that you can know that the Holy Spirit did this is, you'll speak in tongues, all right? And they cite passages like this, right here, Acts chapter 2, where, okay, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Now, I'm going to show you really quick this morning why that's a bad reading. And the reason I want to do that is not to insult anybody, but because that sort of viewpoint unintentionally creates a tier system of first and second class or Christians, okay? Like, basically what it teaches is, okay, listen, like, you're in, but I'm superior, or, you're, or I feel inferior if I don't have this experience. And I've talked with so many Christians who, listen, they love God, but they feel as though they are inferior because they've never spoken in tongues. And they go, well, listen, like, I'm, I'm, if I had the Holy Spirit, I'm supposed to speak in tongues. And I want you to see why that's a bad reading, okay? Now, I did a whole talk on this about a year ago. If you're, like, I'm going I'm to just gloss really quick, but if you're curious, like, in depth, I think I covered my bases there. Talk called Filled with the Holy Spirit or Filled with the Spirit back January. Watch our YouTube channel. You can see it there. But I'm just going to do a little bit here, okay? So here's, here's the misunderstanding. The misunderstanding is how Luke uses this term, filled with the Spirit. Because in Acts, he uses it a bunch. But here in Acts 2, it's the only time that he ever links it with speaking in tongues. But know that, like he uses it a bunch in Acts. I'm gonna give you a few examples of this to understand. He also uses it in Luke. Like he uses it to talk about uh, John the Baptist in utero. And as far as you know, John the Baptist never spoke in tongues in his mom's womb. I uh, use it to talk about uh, Elizabeth, like when she uh, prophesies that Mary's son is gonna be the Messiah. He uses it to talk about Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, when he prophesies about how uh, Jesus like will arrive as Messiah and how John will be raised up as his forerunner, okay? So, so there's no tongues there. But here in Acts, the same is true. Like it's linked to tongues in Acts 2. But also here's some other times when this phrase, filled with the Spirit shows up. Uh, here's one. This is in Acts 4, starting in verse 8. So this is uh, when Peter is called to give an account for their actions taking in the name of Jesus. He, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and, and really quick, uh, the, the Greek here is pretty uh, direct about how like, these events are unfolding. Okay, So what you might be tempted to do is go, listen, you know, well, yeah, he's filled with the Holy Spirit because he was filled with the Holy Spirit back at Pentecost, and it's lasting to this day. Greek tenses don't allow you to make that argument. And the reason they don't is because if it was that, it would be what was called the imperfect tense. It's a continuous action from the past going forward. But the, the tr phrase that we translate is filled, it's in what's called the, air, the aorist tense, which is it's one time. In other words, what Luke is saying is he was filled with the Spirit in that moment, okay? He says, rulers and elders of the people, verse 9. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ 
whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, this man stands before you healed. So he begins to just, like, to the very people who killed Jesus, he begins to just give testimony to Jesus boldly and powerfully. And here's their response in verse 13. He says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John uh, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could Say Okay, so what happens as a result of Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit? He schools religious leaders. Like, he makes them just go like, whoa. And, and they recognize that, okay, like, they were with Jesus before. And so they stop and like, there's something about these people who were, who were with Jesus. Like, it, like it, it enables Peter to do this crazy thing where he, he ascends beyond his own intellect. He makes them just sort of dumbfounded, and they have nothing to say to it. But that's not, not the only instance of being filled with the Spirit. So again, going forward in Acts uh, for you have a moment where the church is threatened for the first time by the very people who killed Christ. And they're terrified because they're human beings. Okay? And so they begin to pray, Lord, you're going to have to help us in this. And this is what happens when they pray in Acts 4.29. It says this, Now, Lord, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then look at verse 31. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all, and there it is again, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay, so what happens when they were filled with the Holy Spirit there? They begin to speak God's word boldly in the face of opposition and persecution. And I should tell you something, by the way, about the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a second blessing. It could be a third, a fourth, a fifth, and what have you. Uh, and it has nothing to do with salvation. It's repeatable. Like, at this point, this is number three or four for Peter in Acts, okay? Um, so, so what's going on? Well, what we're beginning to see is that when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, what it causes them to do is give testimony to Jesus in a way that they couldn't have before. And we see this continuing. Like, so for instance, in Acts uh, 9, after Paul, uh, or Saul, who becomes Paul, converts. Here, and, and he has to have, like, you know, if you've heard the story, you will later on in Acts, where he, he's stricken with blindness, and so this disciple named Ananias comes to him to pray for him to be healed. Look at what Ananias says to him in Acts 9, 17. It says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what happens as a result of him being filled with the Holy Spirit in the narrative? Well, a few verses later, you find out. So jump forward to verse 20, and here's what happens after he's been filled with the Spirit. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners, the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, so again, so he's filled with the Spirit, and he calls people, like, what is going on that's behind what this guy is saying? So what's the reoccurring thing? Like, if you understand how, like, you, or Luke intends to use this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, point blank, let me just tell you. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to give supernatural testimony to Jesus. That's what Luke means when he uses this phrase. Let me say it again. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to give supernatural testimony to Jesus. It's not that the Spirit wasn't there before. 
in many of these cases, it's, it's, it's almost like a guitar amplifier, how you can turn it up to 11, like the volume was there, but then the, like the volume just increases in this crazy, loud way. All right, that's the idea here. Okay, like, listen, when somebody's filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit just amplifies their testimony, and he attests to it in a way that makes people just stop and like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Why? Because the Spirit points to Christ. And that's the idea here in Luke and in, in Acts, Okay. Okay, so back to Acts 2, all right? So, okay, well, listen, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they're speaking in tongues, what's going on? Like, how does that give testimony to Jesus? Well, let me show you. Acts 2, going forward in verse 5, it says this. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this town, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Okay, so, so remember, they started speaking in tongues, and people from all over, um, like they come there to celebrate Pentecost, and they hear the language of their native area being spoken. It continues. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, like they shouldn't know these languages. They could hear the accents, yeah. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And somehow we made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. And put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. Okay. All right. But, but what's going on? Okay. Well, what's going on is they've been filled with the Spirit, and they start to give supernatural testimony to Christ. Okay. Like, like these wonders of God going on. And we're going to see how this actually becomes a platform for Peter to share the gospel for the first time. Like, I mean, in just a few verses later, and that'll be the, the talk next week. But, but here's this moment where, okay, like they've been filled with the Spirit. And so what they do is they, they get testimony and people just stop. And they're like, whoa, what is that? Because, because only God could do that. And, and that's the idea here. Like they've been given this manifestation of tongues in order to give supernatural testimony to Jesus. But here's the thing, okay, here's the thing. I, I want you to make note again that even though everybody hears these tongues, not everybody receives it. Right? So like, we just chuckled there because in verse 13 it says, and we'll bring it back on the screen here. It says, some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. So they hear them exclaiming loudly, and they're like, oh, man, they've been drinking. All right? Okay. And so you might hear that and go, well, why? I mean, that's an odd little detail, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? Like, I mean of course there are times when people present the gospel and, and other people don't respond to it. But why does Luke go out of his way to bring that up? I mean, this is supposed to be like highlight moment where the church is birthed and God is doing all this supernatural stuff. So why is it that Luke makes note that there are some people who go, huh, that's dumb. Okay, well, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it, okay? And, and, and to understand the reason, let me rewind a little bit. All right, so, and we talked about this a little bit last week, like the Last Supper. Remember Last Supper where Jesus is with his disciples before he's executed, right? And we talked about this idea of, listen, if you knew you had 24 hours to live and you got to spend time with your loved ones one last time, whatever you would say to them was probably really, really important, right? And so Jesus, at the Last Supper, one of the things that he does is he over and over again talks about the arrival of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do uh, in and through them, right? He says this thing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes that we gloss past in, in John 16, uh, starting verse 8, he says this. Uh, when he, talking about the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment 
about sin because people do not believe in me. So one of the things the Holy Spirit is going to do is when he shows up on the earth, he's going to create this great division. All right, and this is important. Because sometimes you think, well, you know, everybody has the Holy Spirit. No, they don't. Those outside of Christ absolutely do not. No, no. What the Holy Spirit is going to do is he's going to divide. And the way he's going to divide, like when we talked about like he's going, to, he's going to convict the sin of the world is, the big sin is that people don't believe on Christ. All right, so it's, it's almost like, it, like, like when the Holy Spirit arrives, it's not going to be this, this great unifying moment where all people, whether like they're walking with God or not, are going to start walking with God. Instead, like Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to turn brother against brother, right? That's exactly what's about to happen. Like when the Holy Spirit arrives, people are just going to split down the middle. The Holy Spirit is going to judge the world in this way, okay? So what does that look like? Well, it looks like tongues. You, you might remember uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, when we, read, when we read that passage, he talks about how, how tongues is a sign not to believers, but to unbelievers. Remember this? Okay. Um, and then he quotes a passage of scripture. Paul quotes uh, Isaiah uh, 28 um, as his evidence for this. Okay, that this idea of like tongues means the judgment of God has come. And I'm gonna read to you what Paul quotes. And here's, here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. It says, very well then, with foreign lips... And strange, and look at this word, tongues. God will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose. But they would not listen. So in other words, Isaiah prophesies this moment when God's gonna speak to people through all kinds of foreign tongues. And he's gonna offer them a place of rest. What is that? Christ, right? The rest for our souls. But they wouldn't take it. It wouldn't take it. And so, so when we come to Acts chapter 2 and we find this division taking place, you've got the church empowered, and you've got some people like, what's going on? But there are others who immediately scoff because their hearts are hard. Why? Because the tongues create the division. And that's one of the things that we see happening here. It's why the Holy Spirit manifests in this way on day one within the church, because this great division between the church and the world begins to take place immediately. Immediately. Okay, so then what does this tell us about tongues? What does this tell us about like, how God works within the church, right? Because this isn't the question. I mean, like, if, the, if, the, if when the Holy Spirit shows up, a division begins to take place and people begin to act differently, sometimes what we would do is we, we, we would make the mistake of thinking that all this is about just simple belief and choosing to believe something as a people. But it's so much bigger than this. And this is the thing I want us to begin to dig our heels into as we go through Acts, Simply put, and if you're taking it, let's write this down. The church of Jesus is an empowered community. Let me say that again. The church of Jesus is an empowered community. It's not about us just inventing theologies for ourselves to believe. It's not about us just having the right amount of studies, although praise God for studies. Okay? It's not about intellectual ascension, and it's not about moral conformity. It's about empowerment. Empowering of the heart being changed, empowering of uh, witness, empowering of life. Now, this is so, so crucial, okay? Because one of the worst things you could do to the book of Acts as we read through it is simply just spiritualize it. Here's what I mean, okay? So um, we, we unintentionally do this all the time, where um, we, we, we read these stories in Acts or in the Gospels, and we see Jesus, like, for instance, like, heal blind people, okay? And, and because we don't heal blind people, we look for, a, for an application that's more relevant to how we're already living, right? So, okay, we'll look at this story. She's healed a blind guy, and we'll be like, well, listen, maybe you're blind in your marriage, or maybe you're blind in your finances, or maybe you're blind in your time management. Okay, and also God heals blind people. 
And, that, and that's, okay, and, and I'm just telling you this because, like, this has been my experience. Like, as, as we dig into Acts, and I don't want our church to repeat, where it would be easy for us to just, like, but, like it's, but it's, it's not called the sermons of the apostles. It's called the Acts of the apostles, all right? It would be easy for us to sort of just dig into the teachings and just dig into the proclamation and miss the fact that God has empowered his bride to do supernatural stuff. And if you're in Christ, this is not the rare exception. This is your birthright, okay? So, as we go into this, what I need us to understand is that, listen, it's like, it, it'd be terrible for us to just go, well, obviously it was for them back there as this sort of transition moment, okay? But now that they've established the church, we don't need it. You can't make that argument from Scripture because, number one, when Acts ends, none of this slows down. And number two, as you're reading the different epistles that are written after Acts, you find it still happening in churches all over. You know, I mean, you can think of Paul writing uh, the, the book of Romans and just in referencing, talking to a group of people he's never met in Rome, how he just mentions that prophecy is a spiritual gift that's still given. You could think of uh, the book of Galatians, how like Paul, like just like he appeals to their experience as a church, not, not to just apostles, but he's like, listen, like does God give gifts and you know, do like miracles among you because you followed the law? Like he just appeals. Obviously God's doing the supernatural there. I mean, we could go to Ephesians and talk about how like, like Christ, he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, right? Like he's giving these things within the church. It would be a mistake to go, okay, listen, Acts is just for then. Because the clear like New Testament, like if we were talking about systematic theology and like the big idea across the New Testament is that this stuff is still continuing and we should expect nothing less. This is part of our experience as Christians, okay? So all that stuff instead, the people are sitting there like, what is going on? The people are talking in languages, that they shouldn't know, but they know him. They're talking about God. So Peter stands up. And he's going to make sense of it for them right now. And again, time's sake, I'm going to split the sermon in half and we'll continue it next week. I'm sorry. Okay. But for just today, for just today. Bert, you're the worst. Your kids will thank me. All right, look. Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Those people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> Peter's a little innocent right there. All right. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just prophets, not just kings, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even, God, even your kids will do this. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And just note that, by the way, um, in, in a church culture, the ele- not, not to be self-deprecating, okay, but in a church culture that elevates teaching as the central gift, did you notice that the big thing that he keeps going, like here's the evidence of the, of the spirit working among people is prophecy? That's kind of crazy. It's a paradigm shift. Right? But here's the idea here. And I'm not saying that that's the only gift or, or anything like that. No, God gives different gifts. But I, I just think it's important to remember that this might not be as rare as we think that it is. Um, 
But the mark of, of the church of Jesus that, is that everybody who's in Christ gets the Holy Spirit. Men, women, boys, girls. And they start doing crazy, supernatural testimony stuff. And what would happen if we believed that that was true today? You know, an author I really enjoy, he's dead now, his name was A.W. Tozer. And Tozer, the religious world that he lived in drove him nuts. <laughs> he was so sick of reading Acts and not seeing that in his life. And he, I'm going to paraphrase now, but he reaches a point um, in one of his books where he says, like, we might as well face it, that the whole level of spirituality among us is really low. He's like, think, like, think, guys, think about how we, how we, like, how we witness. You know, rather than being the, these sort of supernatural things that we see in Acts, what do we do? Well, we, we, if somebody's good at baseball, we bring him to church, we put him on the stage, we go, Johnny's good at baseball, and he's a Christian. Be like Johnny. It's that sort of celebrity stamp rather than hey, God's real, and let me show you, okay? And, and that's the thing. We need to embrace, like, listen, the reason that I'm, I'm pushing us in this direction of, of the gifts and keep hammering this home and have over the last year and we'll continue to, um, isn't because I, I feel like we need a unique identity, it's because I believe in the Bible, and if the scriptures are true, this should be our expectation. Look, if you're curious, like, where we're going as a church, we, we've got a word for 2023. This is the thing that's behind all the decisions that the leaders and me are making. It's just one simple word, empower, empower. We're trying to figure out, okay, as we go forward, how can we empower our people to do the ministry of Christ? How can we empower people to step out in their gifts? How can we empower people to move the kingdom? How can we empower the people to do church and be the church? That it's, that it's not just, hey, you know, we're gonna put on Sunday morning productions so that we feel good about ourselves. Although we love worshiping God. And I'll tell you, teaching is my gift. I love teaching. It's just that that's so small. And so what we wanna do is empower you. It's why we're doing something like, you know, right now, I praise God for this. We have, our, we have our Hearing God class where, and this is awesome. We, we, we opened up the, uh, the, the signups and they filled and we had to cap it because so many of you are hungry to hear the voice of the Lord. And we've seen him speak as we sort of wade into those waters. I, I love, this is really cool. This is on night one. I loved this story where we had a couple of ladies um, who were sitting, uh, Ken and Missy, right where you guys are sitting. We had two ladies sitting right there, okay? And one of the things that we do in the class, we, 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 we teach and then we break out to sort of let people pray with each other and listen for God to speak prophetically. We had two ladies, they're sitting over here on the side and one of them said, told us during testimony time, she went, we went to pray in my head. I'm just like, this is so stupid. She's like, Nothing, nothing's gonna happen. Why, why am I doing this? And so she's praying with the other lady there with her and she's just thinking to herself, this is dumb. Two words popped in her mind, journey and trip. She was like, all right. And we're saying, listen, like, speak as, as, you know, like the Lord shows you, right? And so, all right, so she says to the lady that she's praying with, okay, this probably doesn't mean anything, but I just saw these two words, journey and trip. And the lady goes, okay, well, that's, that's great that you saw that, actually, because, you know, my anniversary's coming up, and my husband and I are about to go take a trip, and I'm actually really, really nervous about it um, because it's this, this area I've never been to before. 
uh, and I don't even know like about like the booking and to get stuff lined up the right way. And, and, and so the first lady, she's like, oh, okay, well, well, like, where are you going? Lady tells her, and when you know it, the lady who prayed is from right around that area. And that's cool, right? Like how the Lord set that up. Why? Um, because the church is empowered. And the Lord was showing her that. Okay. I bring this up um, because, and by the way, that's, that's Pentecost. Like, what happens in Acts 2? Okay, you've, you just happen to have people coming from all over the globe to come and worship God who just happen to, to witness these things. It's almost like God is really smart and strategic. As though, like, he wants to birth a worldwide movement, so he just gathers people so they can go from there. Like, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and when we come back to this idea of you being empowered, another reason I want you to be empowered um, is because it's not about just you. You've got to take this somewhere. And so we are intentionally in everything that we're trying to find ways to further you. And I, I will just tell you, if you're curious, like there, there's no magic formula to this. Where you start as you discover, like how you discover gifts, how do you figure out if God's talking to you, all that starts with spending time with the Lord. All of it. Like it's not, the goal isn't greatness, the goal is friendship with Christ. And if you want to know, like, when Jesus is speaking, it starts with you just spending time with him in the quiet. And so listen, our heart for you, like, we, like as a church, we put our money where our mouth is. Because we, we know so many of us feel like, oh, like, how, I even, you know, how am I fruitful in my time with the Lord? So what we've done is, is we've decided to purchase some stuff for you um, so that we, we can make uh, your time with Jesus and your own personal study way more uh, easy. And so we bought this thing for you called Right Now Media. Oh, that was cool. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what Right Now Media is. Right Now Media is basically church Netflix, okay? Uh, thousands of Bible studies for adults, kids, on any topic you can think of. Um, and you don't have to share your password. Like, we're giving it to you. And if you want to share it with anybody, you can share it with them too. And so every single one of you today, when you leave, you're going to be given a card that gives you access to set up your own Right Now Media account. It's completely free to you. We've paid for it. And the reason that we're doing this it's because we want you to enjoy God and spend time with him. And as you do, we believe that he will empower you for life and ministry. So look, all that stuff said today, so um, yeah, our, our greeters will hand you that card on the way out. How about, here's a crazy idea, church. How about we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That the Lord would empower us to give supernatural testimony to Jesus. Sound good? All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank you because you brought us to this moment. Because you want to do the miraculous. You want to heal. You want to speak. And more importantly, Lord, you want to save. You want to save the lost. For those that have forgotten about you, for those... Oh, man, for the ones who, like, didn't even care, your heart has never stopped beating. For the ones who are dead in their own sin and, and they have not pursued you, you have pursued them to this moment. For the one who's sitting here and you hear this idea of God speaking and you think, could it really be true? Would God really want to be my friend? Yeah, it's true. 
And you can know that not because of just anything that we've said, but you can know that because there's an empty tomb. God has pursued you with love. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, and you're whoever, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came into the world at his own initiative. And your sin separated you from God, but God chose not to leave you there because he loves you, he wants you. And so Jesus took your sin on himself and died on the cross in your place. He took the judgment that you deserved so that you can be brought into fellowship with God. And then so that you can know the truth, he rose from the dead to give you new life. Christ has done everything for you. And all he asks is that you turn from your sin and you turn to him. Call out to him, ask him to save you, and he will. You might go, how, how do I do that? You just ask. And look, maybe I, I can pray with you, and, and these aren't magic words, but, but if and you've got better ones, you can use your own. But here's what we could pray. We'll just pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I admit that I've done wrong. I thank you that Jesus has died for my sin and risen from the dead. Please fill me with your spirit and show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we as a church pray, Lord, please fill us as well.